Sergeant First Class Ellis Noto with the Indiana National Guard back again for another edition of the Lima Charlie Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Sergeant First Class Robbie Schweitzer, and today's very special guest from IST, the Interstate Transfer. I have Sergeant First Class, Sergeant First Class Lorenzo Cruz, and Sergeant First Class. I don't know your first name, Mary. Sergeant First Class Mary Carter. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Lima Charlie Podcast. Thanks for having us. And thank you for having us. Absolutely. Would you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, tell us your current MOS and how long you've served and kind of uh, what's your current role here in the National Guard? Go ahead, sorry. Like you said, my name is Sergeant First Class Mary Carter. I am a 79 Tango. Um, I'm a recruiter here in Indiana. I currently reside or recruit out of Shelbyville and Decatur County. What's your, uh, what was your MOS prior to becoming... A recruiter. I'm a 68 whiskey healthcare specialist. Healthcare specialist. A real MOS. A real MOS. Uh, How long have you been in? Uh, A total of almost 16 years. Um, Brand new to Indiana, served 15 and a half of those in the beautiful state of Kentucky. Gotcha. We'll we'll count it. We can count that. That's fine. (laughs) Thank you. How long have you been in recruiting? Four years total. Four and a half. Four years total. That's that's really cool. Sergeant Cruz. Tell yeah. us about yourself, because you're not a uh, a prior, you're not the whole time in the Army, right? No, no. So uh, my name is uh, Sergeant First Class Lorenzo Wayne Cruz II. I was born in South Bend, Indiana. And in about 2004, I joined um, active duty Navy. I was, a, I was a seaman at the time and then ended up becoming a hospital corpsman. Uh, and then after hospital corpsman, I became an, an optician. So it'd be like, a, like an ASI. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So like a 68, uh, what is that, Echo for our optometry specialist? No, that's dental. You don't know. What you're just... <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stop. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. And how long have you been here in recruiting? Uh, let's see, since uh, 2015. Um, to go back a little bit, I, uh, I got out of active duty Navy in 2012 and then did about a year of the Navy Reserves and then switched over to the Indiana Army National National Guard uh, with a Star First Class at that time, Star First Class Corey Jenkins, who is now the CSM yeah. for Recruiting and Retention Battalion. Uh, he was my recruiter and um, I brought my whole packet, you know, that, that prior service guy that brings everything and you're like, got him. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to do any work. Uh, but um, I did have to go back to uh, basic training um, at, I think I was 32 years old. That was like herding cats. Oh goodness! Uh, Can't imagine. Yeah, it, it was it was it was more of a more physical. Um, that was a little bit more tougher, but I was able to pull through. And then I went to sixty eight Alpha School, uh, biomedical technician, uh, down there in uh, Fort Sam Houston, and joined the recruiting team in April two thousand fifteen, and been been here since. Awesome. So talking IST, the interstate transfer stuff, uh, does a residency requirement exist for a soldier to be a member of a particular state's National Guard? No, uh, a residency uh, does requirement does not exist. And so the an interstate transfer, we would say short ISTs, uh, the regulation that covers that is going to be NGR 600-200 Section 5. 4-18, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but 
in there, it doesn't have any residency requirement. Now, each state, uh, you, you know, we call it our 54 kingdoms. Oh, yeah. Um, does have their own nuances, mm-hmm. but uh, it is not required at all. Okay. Uh, we have soldiers uh, that will live in Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Michigan, that they, you know, the residence is there, but they'll, they'll drill here in Indiana. What might lead somebody to live in another state but be in a different state's guard? What kind of benefits might they have for joining a different state guard than where they're currently living? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, being in this position now for about three years, uh, one of the biggest things that we see is opportunity. Uh, You know, people will look at the force structure within their own state. And when they take a look at Indiana, we have uh, a majority of the MOSs that are available. And so, like, let's say you live on the border, right, of Michigan and Indiana. We have an MOS that, that you're looking for. And it just so happens that it's within a, a distance that you're willing to drive and, you know, you're willing to serve in Indiana so you can transfer to, to our state. Is there any particular MOS that you're seeing people wanting to come to Indiana for that they're like more so than others? With Indiana being predominantly um, infantry, we'll see a lot of infantry, uh, especially um, near Fort Wayne, Gary, South Bend, um, Louisville uh, areas. We'll see a lot of transfers from there uh, coming to that MOS. Uh, lately, I've been seeing a lot of 25 series. Mm-hmm. Um, people are starting to uh, notice that the, the marketing that we have out there on those active duty bases and even in the IST world, the interstate transfer, that becoming uh, coming into the 25 series, they have an opportunity to later on in time uh, join the cyber battalion. And so we'll have these conversations that, you know, this could be a feeder MOS to join the cyber battalion, but you will, you will have to reclass or you can come in and, um, and start building your resume. So when that time, uh, does come for you wanting to apply to that, uh, the cyber battalion, you, you'll have the experience and, and a feeder MOS to come in. Yeah. Cause Indiana does have, you know, cyber, they have SFAB, they have SF. So there's so many opportunities here in this state, uh, that may not exist in other states. Is that right? That is correct. What does it look like uh, when a soldier wants to, uh, I guess, ISR, right, is, is the term where they're going from active duty to the, to the National Guard? I know uh, when I ETS'd off of active duty Army, uh, I had to speak to uh, RCCC, Reserve Component Career Counselor. You know, what, what does that process like if I'm an active duty soldier wanting to come to the National Guard? Can I do a, a 368 and get out early, or do I have to wait until the end of my contract to come over to the Guard? So that that is a great question, and there's a, there's many layers to that. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and start off with the uh, the three six eight, right? So a DD three six eight is a conditional release from um, a branch or component of the military to switch over to another. It is very tough to see our active duty uh, brothers and sisters to be able to to process one and get it approved. I have seen it approved. Pivoting towards. Um, what is more common is uh, soldiers are going to be able to get close to their ETS window, which is their six-month window. And at that time, they have three choices. They can go into the, the Army Reserve, uh, the Army National Guard, or into the Individual Ready Reserve, the IRR. Most soldiers are going to end up picking the, the Reserve or National Guard to be able to cut down their MSO, their military service obligation, and to reclass and, and go back to um, to where they want to go, back to their home record. Do 
do. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So my apologies. Oh, I apologize. It is six months to when a soldier can actually contract from active duty into a national guard. Now they'll still be within. You'll still be on active duty, but you can sign that contract, and you would oh, be wow. considered an ISR, which is an in-service recruit. To be able to get something facilitated like that, uh, you would get with your your active duty base uh, reserve uh, component transition office RCT. And sit down with an RCCC with a Reserve Component Career Counselor, and they'll be able to talk to you about the different options that are available for you, depending on what you're looking for. And when people are wanting to come to Indiana, I see that there's it's three things: it's going to be family, employment, education, and all those things kind of culminate into opportunity. When and when they do switch, they sign that that contract. Do they pick a new MOS? Does their time in service uh, that they previously served, does that count towards? I know Sergeant Carter, you mentioned 15 and a half years, right? That that mm-hmm. counted when you came over here to Indiana, right? It did. Now, were you able to pick your MOS when you came to Indiana? I know you're a 79 Tango, so it may not necessarily have, have applied to you, but if you do switch uh, I, you know, ISC or ISR, do you pick a new MOS, or how does that work? So you, you do have the opportunity to reclass if you want. Uh, you could stay within the same MOS. But uh, this is kind of like your your opportunity to to reclass. So uh, if a soldier does ask to reclass, uh, what I'll do is uh, I'll take their line scores and uh, put into the, an enlisted MOS finder and present it to them. And hey, you can pick pick five. What's your top five? And there's an understanding that there there might be a, a service obligation uh, for that reclass. But then this is something that also works out for Indiana because there's a return of investment um, for of that course. reclass. But the soldier also gets to pick something maybe they didn't get to pick before. And they're picking their their MOS, where they're stationed at, all of that, right? They're, they're not – it's not uh, like when you maybe enlist in a different uh, organization and you're kind of sent wherever. You're going to pick you know that unit, that MOS, before you sign the contract. Is that right? So uh, that – there is some truth to that. Uh, sometimes we, we may not have something located close to their home record, um, but we do offer them, hey, there's like, let's say if they live in Indianapolis, we have something available in Kokomo or we have something available in Franklin. Okay. Uh, which so, one yeah. would you like to pick? We're still within, you know, an hour. That's yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Uh, what so is, it's yeah. choice based upon availability. Yeah. Correct. Other other potential opportunities or what potential opportunities are available to an active duty service member in the National Guard? Why would they maybe pick the National Guard over, you know, the Army Reserves? Well, a couple that this is rather you both recruiters, so either one of you. <laughs> Roger, so we'll, we'll go ahead and start with the with the ISRs. What I see is uh, you know, you have fifty four uh, National Guards competing for contracts, right, on yep. these active duty bases. About half of those soldiers that um, contracted uh, to active duty uh, from Indiana are going to come back here. The other half are coming, for, again, for employment, family, um, education. So we have about 711 soldiers that come to us every single year from active duty uh, with an honorable discharge. Half again, half of those are from Indiana, and the other half are from a totally different state. When uh, when I sit there and look at the marketing and and listen to um, what soldiers are saying and what um, the RCCs are saying, it's coming down to uh, what are we willing to offer them, right? 
Um, do they have, you know, or do they have my MOS? Uh, can I reclass? Is it going to be better for my family? Um, uh, if I reclass, what what options are available? And so we're seeing this this trend, especially where it's starting going to the twenty five series, the, the thirty five series, uh, to the cyber battalion, that people are wanting to get into um, um, a technical position. Uh, we are seeing that trend. Uh, we do get soldiers that are coming off active duty and most of them have done their homework already and and they're linking up with our um the sf aco 220 down there in um in camp atterbury uh, we do get some some calls for for the sfab as well it's pretty cool sergeant carter anything to add i mean you you came from kentucky i think the big thing between us and the reserves i think we can all agree being recruiters is our education benefits are going to way outweigh the reserves and i think sometimes coming off active duty because i myself was active duty prior to the national guard I didn't have time to go to college, and they don't pay 100%. So that was a big thing for me, like why join the National Guard, was I wanted my college completely paid for and maybe keep that GI Bill in my pocket for my kids. And, and you're referring to the, the additional state educational benefits that a National Guardsman gets on top of the federal benefits that yes, everyone gets, right? Exactly. Regarding educational benefits, uh, is there a requirement for someone to physically reside here in Indiana um, to be eligible for in-state you know, tuition? So, from my understanding, uh, it requires that a veteran or a member of the Indian Army National Guard will pay no more than the in-state uh, rates, as long as they're part of the Indian Army National Guard. That's that's what matters. And we're not reading off cue cards here, but you're referring to Indiana Code twenty-one fourteen twelve point two, right? That is correct, off the top sorry. of my head. Roger that. <laughs> that is awesome that she remembered that. It's you know, it's the law school thing. No, it, so if I understand correctly, it sounds like just if you're if you're a member um, of the National Guard, you're eligible for um, that in-state tuition rate. That is correct. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. And that's one of the things that you know, like I see from from the field with uh, interstate transfers or um, uh, ISRs, is that you know they're like, hey, what kind of education benefits do you guys have and you know, like, man, you guys offer 100% tuition? I'm like, yeah, you know, 100% is 30 credits, uh, you know, during the school year. Take advantage of it. You could save your post-9-11 for your family and put that in the back pocket. And, oh, you're, uh, you're right. I mean, I, I literally had the National Guard pay for my undergrad, and I'm using my post-9-11 for law school, right? So th those opportunities do exist. Um, and it's great because, you know, I, I'm going to graduate without any debt or limited debt, which so many of our civilian friends don't have that opportunity. So can you, can you explain? expand a little bit on how we're able to offer those education benefits separate and apart from what yeah. active duty or reserve can offer them. Cause we've mentioned a couple of times now that a lot of people are choosing the national guard when they're coming off active duty, particularly because of our education benefits. And it's a cool little buzz phrase to say hundred percent tuition, but what, what's that actually look like? Understanding that you're not an education benefits specialist per se, Roger. So let's say I've, I haven't been to the class, but but I do uh, remember what, what's uh, what's on the flyers, right? So uh, my understanding is that the Indian Army National Guard Supplemental Grant will pay up to 100% tuition to any public um, university, uh, college, community college here in Indiana, and that will be up to 30 credits during the school year. What that does for the soldier, uh, somebody that's coming to Indiana, is that it gives you opportunities to be able to pursue your education, whether it's going to be at a community college, uh, a university, um, an apprenticeship program. There's multiple opportunities for you to pursue your education and achieve your goals. Uh, 
in the long run, it will save you money. I mean, you'll be able to, um, you know, whether get your certificates or your degree. And if you have the post 9-11, the Indian Army National Guard Supplemental Grant paid for your education, and now you have the post 9-11 on the back burner that you can utilize for or yourself or dependents, uh, depending on how do you want to use that. Postgraduate or, yeah, like your dependents, and you didn't touch it. You know, you, you might have your bachelor's and master's paid for by the Indian National Guard through a combination of FTA and NGSG. Uh, that's that's pretty awesome. That's it really is. cool. Does that help answer your question there, Sonny? It does. It does, absolutely. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit already. Um, let's say that somebody's coming into Indiana. They don't have a – they have a particular MOS that we don't have. So let's say they have um, – 68 Romeo Veterinary Food Inspection Specialist. Sure. That's a okay. great MOS. A great uh, MOS. We're not forcing needs of the Army on them per se. Are they going to be able to have a little bit of decision in what it is they end up taking? Oh, definitely, Sergeant. And this happens, you know, I'd say probably about about average about 10 soldiers a year. We'll get that uh, that request from whether it's active duty or the interstate transfers. We just don't have their MOS. And so what I'll do is I will pull their line scores, uh, put it into an enlisted MOS finder, and ask them to pick their top five. And then I'll go ahead and start fighting for them, um, finding them a slot. Uh, letting them know and then also letting the strength managers know that we have a reclass and the soldier uh, knows that there might be a service obligation uh, with that reclass. But this is an opportunity for them that maybe they didn't have in the past. And I've, I just had one of those just recently from Louisiana, and she was like, hey, I really wanted to become a 42 Alpha, and I want a reclass. Okay, too easy. Pull up the vacancy roster. Hey, we got three slots. Then I'll lock one down for you. Sure. She's like, yeah, I want to do that. I was like, there, there will be a service obligation. She's like, that's fine. Send her the documents to, to sign. And uh, she was excited. Couldn't believe. She's like, I can't believe this. This is real. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is real. This is Indiana. We're going to take <laughs> care of you. How often when they reclass are they going back through a full AIT versus um, a transition course that might be a little bit shorter? Does, does it, is it a case-by-case -case basis? Is it 50-50? What's, what's the outlook on that? I would say it's definitely going to be a a case by case basis. It really just depends on, uh, you know, what's the MOS, and then is there a you know a short course for that available within the Indian Army National Guard? Uh, I know, like for me, like when I reclassed, um, I went to six eight Alpha School. I had to go through the full thing, and and it was a great. It was actually the hardest course I ever been to in my whole life, but uh, it was it was awesome. Outside of recruiting school, of course, right? Recruiting, yeah, you know, I would school. say uh, recruiting SQI four definitely has a. Um, a lot of its memories are uh, definitely, uh, you know, shift control find and uh, the 79 Tango course uh, conversion. I think I went to the last class. That was uh, an even uh, faster shift control find. But, yes, oh my goodness. that was a great course. Yeah. So when a, a soldier IST, as you had mentioned, uh, sending some documents over, is there a new contract? I mean, wh what are they signing? So there's, there's two forms here in Indiana that – we specifically have uh, in our own kingdom, right? Uh, so we have the NGB 225, which is standard, and that's going to be your contract. It's not adding to the current contract. It's just stating that you are switching uh, with the remaining time that you have on your contract to another state. Um, and it has, like, your old unit information, your new oh, cool. unit information. So it, it kind of breaks everything down for you. This is where you're leaving, and this is where you're going. Um 
The other form is the DA5960, which is going to be your basic allowance for housing. And it's it's basically just kind of helping out that soldier and the unit uh, already. Yeah. Um, we get that set up. They sign uh, those two documents. We'll get that set up to where they can sign in person. And then uh, we'll send the, the NGP 225 to the losing state. And then they will go into IPSE, uh, cut the transfer order, uh, and then we'll uh, pick them up on our end. What else? That's it? There's no maps. There's two documents, one of them being a BH form, mm-hmm. one of them being an NGB-22-5. Uh, That's it? That is it. Are you kidding me? That is oh I see, my I've God. seen it done in person. Wow. Um, That's it. Down at, at uh, HRC, and it can literally be done in minutes. Sergeant Carter, what was your experience yeah. like going through the ICE? With those, understanding they shouldn't write next to the ICE coordinator. No, but. it was exactly no, it was exactly <laughs> With like all those Sergeant, documents. It was exactly like Sergeant Cruz said. Um, for me personally, I knew kind of where I wanted to be in Indiana, so I reached out to a section chief and was like, "Hey, you know, through other yeah. recruiting friends that I had in the state, I was like, I'm AGR in Kentucky. This is what I'm looking for. What slots do you have?" Um, I actually spoke to him before I spoke to Sergeant Cruz. I was probably talking to him a couple months ahead of, you know, fully making the decision to leave. Um, he gave me Sergeant Cruz's contact information, and I signed those two pieces of paper and that's, was here. That's wild to so me. You, yeah. went, you went to sleep one night in the Kentucky. I d- and woke up the next and, morning in Indiana. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. She's like, man, this place it's is It's super easy because <laughs> if it had MEPS been involved, I don't know that I could have done it. <laughs> that's uh, right? that's We all understand. That's really incredible. So how long was your I – mean, in your IST process? Um, so the great thing that I loved about being an IST is you can kind of pick your own timeline. Uh, when I spoke to Sergeant Cruz, he's like, hey, when do you want to come to Indiana? And I had, I'm moving an entire family, four children, a husband, a dog. And he's like, what time do you need? And I told him, I want to be in Indiana December 1st. And that's exactly when my contract here started. So for me, it was like a four month time frame, but I chose for it to be that long. Was now, is it a PCS move? Are they paying for you to move up here, or how does that work? Because you're AGR, right? Um, it was a PCS move, um, but I also came when Ipse was down. Hmm. So there was some obstacles that we had to overcome just due to Ipse and it being down when I made that transition. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. I, I didn't It's two forms. Yes. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, like when Sarah Carter went through her, she did go through the, the Ipse brownout that happened uh back in November 22 to really the end of January 23. And so th- there was some soldiers that were affected by that. And, um, you know, I apologize on, on mine uh, for all that. Uh, but, but normally there, it's pretty smooth transition. Customer service is the biggest thing out of this, uh, out of everything. That's our, our pillar on what we stand on is taking care of soldiers. And, you know, just like she said, hey, when do you want to come? What's, what's the best time frame for you? We're all recruiters, so we've all heard – you know, applicants say, oh, I heard that you're, you're stuck in that state for X amount of years, right? Is there, you know, validity to that? I mean, for an average soldier, what's the turnaround time? And, and I understand you, you can kind of pick your own timeline, but what if I wanted to IST to Florida right now, uh, what would be the IST time frame for that? There, There is no, like, obligation for a time frame. Uh, if, let's say, if you went to Florida here in the next two months and you transferred and then for some reason you wanted to switch to Texas, you can do that. You let your chain command know you want to do the interstate transfer and you get the packet set up and that's it. You can move on. And you'd said that uh, it's just a a continuation of whatever your current time is. Is there a minimum amount of time that you still need to have on your current contract 
to successfully IST. Or if I'm six months out from my ETS, can I be like, hey, I want to IST and finish my last six months somewhere else? I see you smiling, Sergeant Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) So that is one of the best questions I have ever heard. Yeah, see, yours have been good questions. (laughs) (laughs) So that regulation, again, is NGR 600-200, Section 5, 4-18, Bolig Echo. It says on there that you need to have at least four months left on your contract. Now, states do have their own nuances, um, but yeah, four months left is what the regulation states. Wow. That's it. Yes, there there are some there are some stipulations to that. You know, uh, again, each state will have their own nuances, but um, per the regulation, it says you need to have a, at least four months left on your contract. I I truly thought it was a year. But that's and that's because that would make sense, right? You know, your IST start new 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 unit. But that wow, okay, this is uh this is this is pretty incredible. Uh, going back to Florida, if I was to IST to Florida, uh, do I keep my incentives? If I have you know a GI Bill kicker or anything like that, would would I be able to keep those in my new state? Yeah, that that also is a great question too, because we get that all the time, and people get really worried. I know if I, if I had a bonus and and any incentives, I'd be uh that that'd be a big thing in my mind. What we see is, you know, on the on the bonus addendum, we'll we'll start off with the first one, uh, non prior service bonuses. You know, a lot of those uh, soldiers, E one, E four, they get worried about maybe it might be recouped. Now, in your bonus addendum, there are stipulations, and an interstate transfer is one of them, uh, to where it's not voluntary, right? You're you're leaving for a reason that you want to leave, and so. A soldier will have to put in an ETP, which is an exception to policy through their the new state's uh, incentives um, team, and then they'll send that up to uh, NGP. I personally haven't seen any of them denied as long as there's um, a legitimate reason, right? And it can't be, I just wanted to move to another state. It, you want to be able to pitch that you know, to whoever is going to look at that piece of paper uh, with a story. Um, so family need, career opportunity, yeah. educational opportunity, Correct. something to develop yourself or your family or better your position kind of thing. Yeah, you want to develop that story because, you know, it's just going to be some person looking at it for five, ten minutes. And if it makes sense for the soldier to move, then yes, they can retain their incentives or, or it won't be recouped. But again, I'm not saying this is 100. percent No, yeah. But um, as long as you, you know, you put in the effort, I think you'll be fine. That's uh that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, it's it's cool how they're they're looking at kind of the the total soldier concept, right? Versus just saying, okay, if you're IST, and you're automatically not getting it. But they're going to look at that soldier, their their situation, kind of like Sergeant Schweitzer had said, you know, new career, new um, education, or, or family needs, whatever it is, and see if they can they can take care of that soldier. That's that's really interesting to hear. And the fact that you said you've Rarely seen them denied, and I know you're dealing with, I don't know how many, hundreds of ISTs a year, uh, both yep. in and out of Indiana, mostly in, I'm sure. Yeah, mostly in. Mostly yeah, in. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that's definitely pretty cool to hear that. Yeah, the whole, t- you know, the whole, sitting down when you're looking at the at a soldier, you know, you definitely don't want to burn them. Things happen. Life happens, you yeah. know, even even though we're wearing this uniform, we're, we're still humans, and uh you know, like especially during COVID, when that happened, a lot of people were moving, and you can just imagine, you know, with the financial burden they were already facing, and then recouping the bonus. So, uh, pivoting towards 
reenlistment bonuses, right? Because here's another one that comes up uh, a lot. So your your non-prior service bonuses are going to be tied to a UIC. Your prior your reenlistment bonuses are going to be tied to an MOS. So those are a little oh. bit more easier to to work with. So if we get somebody with a reenlistment bonus um, on their bonus addendum, they'll say you know it's tied to that MOS. When they do switch over to a new state, um, that exception to policy uh, that will still need to be processed to NGB uh, will be facilitated a little bit more easier, and, and uh, the approval process is is a lot more better. That's that's interesting to hear that. So if they're at 11 Bravo and they're switching to a different state and they still have that, it's easier to make that happen versus a, a reenlistment bonus or sorry, a non-prior service enlistment bonus. Correct. Is it the same for the post so not the uh, the GIBO kicker and things like that? Educational incentives? Yeah, those those would be fine. Okay. Cool. Um, so we've talked about Indiana, the things that we offer, hit on a few things. Um, what would you pinpoint, and this is for both of you, uh, something that Indiana specifically has that you're not seeing elsewhere that would be a good opportunity and would be a good draw for people to come? Basically, pitch me Indiana. Pitch you Indiana. Yeah. Right. So we call Indiana the island of the Midwest. All right, there's there's everything here. We got uh, beaches, we got the the country life, we got the city life, um, the infrastructure that we have here in Indiana. When it comes to education, it's it's all around Indiana. You can really pursue just about anything you're looking for. Uh, if you wanted to become a lawyer like Sarnoto over here, you know. Oh, is he going to law school? I think he did. Is. I mention that? Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I yeah, I missed, must have missed it. Darn. Um, you know, you can you can become one of his clients. Uh, if you want to go into the apprenticeships program and get trade skills, we have uh, multiple areas that that offer those. Uh, if you're you know wanting to do something in tech, you know the tech uh, infrastructure is blowing up in Indiana, so we're seeing um, a lot of people wanting to come to us because of that um, that that job industry that is that's being built up. It's already established here in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, you know the second thing is that we see you know, there's there's a lot of ties here. Uh, to Indiana or just in the Midwest, uh, and whether it's going to be Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, Kentucky. And because of that infrastructure that we have here, uh, people choose and are choosing to live in Indiana, um, but they still have the, those family ties to to our, our border states. In regards to the, the Indiana Army National Guard, we have a wide variety of MOSs that, um, that you can pick from, uh, whether, you know, in the beginning you didn't have much choice. And now this is your opportunity. Uh, I would highly, highly suggest that you take advantage of what is available and pursue what you always really wanted. Sergeant Carter, having recruited in a different state, yeah. now recruiting in, in Indiana, what are, what are you seeing that we offer here that puts us you know, ahead of the competition? So for me, even just being here in the last few months, the big one that I'm seeing is the SF. Um, I have a yeah. teammate who works well with, you know, the unit over there at Atterbury, and he gets a lot of people from Missouri and Illinois who are coming to Indiana specifically because we do offer something that our bordering states may not. And that's, you know, with the SF, that's a big one that I've seen just in the last couple of months that I've been here. Gotcha. You know, we've talked a lot about IST and, and ISR, but we kind of haven't talked about why you guys joined in the first place. So, you know, why did you join the National Guard, Sergeant Carter, Sergeant Cruz, and, and what has your, been your most memorable experience here uh, in the Army National Guard? So for me, um, my dad actually served in the Indiana National Guard. I know I didn't start here, but my family is from here. And so 
I didn't know what to do with my life. I was 23, wanted to go to college, can't afford it. We all know how expensive college is now. Um, right. I have a master's degree, so I understand. Um, going to law school. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to law school. Yeah, I got it. Um, so for me, it was the education benefits and my recruiter may have offered me a $20,000 bonus. So it was definitely money education benefits for me. As far as my biggest memorable event, just in the national guard, um, I'm a drill sergeant. Um, I was actually the first uh, female drill sergeant in the state of Kentucky. So for me, that was a big step, something I always wanted to do, but you kind of put in the back of your head because you don't see a lot of National Guard drill sergeants. They're not really around. Hmm. Um, So I had that opportunity in 10 months postpartum and ran with it. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm probably most proud of in my career. Now I understand the drill starting thing. Now I understand why I've been scared the entire time you've been sitting it's so close to me. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and you switch seats, sir. <laughs> I'm good. Um, you had mentioned, you know, being being a mother. What is that? How was, you know, being postpartum and you know, having a child and with your National Guard obligations? What was that like? How were you able to juggle you know, being a mother, being, right. being a National Guardsman, being a drill sergeant? I'm not going to lie. It's not easy um, at times. And that is a big reason why I actually reached out to Sergeant Cruz and moved here. I needed to be, I wanted to be closer to family to have that better work life balance, which I think is a huge part of and a huge benefit of being in the National Guard because it allows you to, a lot of our soldiers to have both, you know, that civilian life that we want, but that military service that we also want. So it kind of combines them together. As far as for me, it's all my kids know. Um, I was in the Guard before I had children, before I was married. So they know mom and they know what I have to do. And so they kind of, and they're proud of me for it. And that's a big reason why I continue to do it on those days, you know, that we all have that we're like, I would rather do anything else mm-hmm. than put on this uniform and go to work, which is any job. But they give me that motivation to keep going. What's been your, your, your best memory here in the National Guard? In Indiana? We'll go with that one, but Kentucky's fine. You did spend 15 and a half years there. Um, <laughs> besides the drill sergeant thing? Just in general? Yeah, just in general. Um, I love to deploy. Honestly, um, just having the opportunity to like see the world, you know, to go to countries. I've been to Iceland on a layover, Poland for training, Germany. I think just to be able to see the world that maybe I wouldn't be able to see. The National Guard has gave me that opportunity to travel and to help people in other countries that don't have what we have here in America. To to piggyback on the drill starting thing, and I hate using that phrase. I just used it. Piggyback. I'm sorry. To to add to that, what is one piece of advice you may have for someone that's nervous by going to basic training At, from the drill starting side of it. What, what is some piece of advice you'd offer them? My biggest thing, and this is, and I tell recruits this all the time is you have to believe in yourself. I truly believe you can do anything you set your mind to. And that's in anything in your life. If you don't believe in yourself and believe that you can do it, you're not going to do it. So go to basic training and believe that you can do it and you will be fine. And drill sergeant's pass. That is from a drill sergeant that is. is on the record now. Sergeant Cruz started in the Navy, came to the National Guard. Why? And what has been your greatest memory here uh, in the National Guard? So let's see. I got off active duty in 2012, January 2012, and did the reserves for the uh, Navy reserves for uh, for about a year. I remember. So I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, right there on um, on Grand Street, uh, Prairie Avenue. And they had the South Bend Armory right there. And this was the old South Bend Armory. And I remember I would see them uh, running on Prairie Avenue. And so, yeah, I'm sitting there, located riding my bike. And, you know, they had uh, some green shorts and, you know, the little silkies, and they're running. 
And I remember asking my mom a couple of times, I was like, who are those people? And she's like, they're heroes. And then as I grew older, you know, I ended up, you know, understanding that that was the, the Indian Army National Guard. I wanted to do something that was closer to home, right? Like I felt like I served on active duty. I went all around the world, all around the United States. But I wanted to be closer to home and to be able to give back what was given to me. And when I made that decision to go ahead and, and join, I knew that it was going to be something, uh, a new chapter in my life. And so I remember when I was getting ready to enlist, um, you know, into the Indian Army National Guard, something always stuck in my mind from my previous Navy days into where I'm at now. And that is no one is coming to save you. Get up and be your own hero. Wow. Like it. Wow. I uh, that's that's incredible, Sergeant Cruz. You, you actually had no to speechless for a bit. <laughs> I, I appreciate I had yeah. to think Regular about it. Listeners know that that's not a common occurrence. So. <laughs> that's you, incredible. You 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 what an a crazy awesome story to, to share and I love how, you know, you wanted to give back not only to this phenomenal country, but to your own community. And obviously that opportunity is available to, to guardsmen because, you know, we work for the state of Indiana, the great state of Indiana and, and uh, this, this amazing country as well. That's uh, what an incredible story. Thank you. Appreciate it. Speechless. I liked it. So to build on that, instead of using piggyback. Thank um, you. <laughs> so, you know, we asked um, most memorable experience, what it's meant to you, all that. Uh, and then you mentioned new recruits coming in and the advice you give them for basic training I'm somebody fresh, fresh off the street, considering military service. What advice would you give somebody that's considering joining the Indiana National Guard? So for me, our job, right? Mm -hmm. Go talk to a recruiter because they're going to be, they're the most knowledgeable about what we have to offer, the benefits, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, the ugly. We all see it. Go talk to a recruiter. 10, 15 minutes could completely change your life for the better. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know. So talking to them, it's probably the best thing I ever did because mm -hmm. I didn't know. So I just, just talk to them. You're not losing anything. Yep. And, uh, and to build off, off that, <laughs> um, and thank you there, Sergeant Carter. You know, I would say that, you know, knowledge is power, you know, uh, regardless if you're going to sit down with, you know, just one recruiter or multiple recruiters, you know, go out there and see uh, what's going to be best for you. If, um, if you're sitting there thinking about the Indian Army National Guard, uh, you know, like I said earlier, and that's a big thing is, you know, don't, nobody's going to come save you. Go out there and be your own hero. When you sit there and look in the mirror at the end of the day, um, you know, all your, all your thoughts come back to you at the end of the night when you're sitting there laying in bed, mm -hmm. uh, whether you, you, uh, you accomplished multiple things or you failed or you just didn't take that, take that chance that, that will come back to you. And right before you go to sleep, I like going to bed knowing that, I went out there and made something happen and created my own path. And it's a good feeling. Go out there and, and experience that. Yeah. Awesome. That's that's uh that's pretty incredible. Thank you, Sergeant Cruz, Sergeant Carter, for joining us uh today on this phenomenal episode of the Lima Charlie podcast. Anything to piggyback on? No piggyback. No piggybacking <laughs> on this. Perfect. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform, or follow us on Instagram. Lima Charlie out. Oh, just a lot of stations stepping on each other. Roger, you're